one of my favorite things about Star Wars is you can you can watch the movie so many times and then every time you you see it a little bit differently. And that's because the other movies are informing each other. If you watch them in a different order, you're going to see things that you didn't necessarily pick up on the first time. Uh, but also, if you really dive into the books, the comics, the TV series, the animated series, the audio dramas, oh, what else do we have? The the mobile games, the video games, uh, Galaxy's Edge, the theme park. Like, if you consume any bit of Star Wars outside the movies and you bring that in to, to the next viewing, like it changes, changes everything. It enhances uh, the viewing. Enhance. Enhance. Um, so, in this episode, we're going to be talking about how a certain piece of Star Wars content uh, enhanced The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we're here to talk about Shadow of the Sith, uh, the, the novel from Adam Christopher uh, that is all about Luke and Lando. It's like a buddy team-up, and they're, they're, uh, they're after Ochi of Bestoom because Ochi's after Rey and her parents. Uh, so you get a lot of you know backstory on Rey. Uh, you get a lot of really good introspective stuff from Luke and Lando, and it, it's a great book, and it really informs uh, what happens in the sequel trilogy, uh, especially uh, The Rise of Skywalker. There's a lot of Exegol in this book. Uh, there, there are characters that only appear in The Rise of Skywalker, um, so I'm really excited to talk about this book. If you want to read this book, uh, please please skip this episode or, or come back, um, but I know that there's a portion of my audience that doesn't read the books, and uh, that's perfectly okay, because I love giving the skinny. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about, um, not really the, the book in itself, but more, I watched The Rise of Skywalker right after reading it, and uh, oh, I love this movie a lot more than I, I did. Um, I love all Star Wars, but I, I think I would say The Rise of Skywalker, the latest one, is my least favorite. Um, there are some things that um, I didn't really like about it, and maybe I'll get into that in the episode, but not to say that this book fixed those things. I don't think there's anything to fix. I don't think like a book could possibly fix an issue that I had uh, with with a movie. Maybe maybe on a rare occasion, but like it really pointed out a lot more things and a lot a lot of cool things that I'm like, oh well, that ties back to this from the book that I just read. And it, it made the whole viewing experience different. And I, I still love parts of the Rise of Skywalker. Ray's journey still hit home. Um, but yeah, this, this just little, little nuggets that, uh, really, really made me enjoy it more and see it differently. So I'm excited to talk about that. All right. So Shadow of the Sith, uh, like I said in my little spoiler free section before, this is now uh, a spoiler section. Um, yeah, it's the story of how Ray's parents die, how Ochi gets them. Um, but then you get this, this great stuff with Lando, uh, his, his daughter was kidnapped, by the first order i guess we don't know that yet in this book but uh, his daughter was kidnapped he's been looking for her for six years he gets this lead on ochi who's going after ray and he's like okay well if i can't save my daughter i'll save this daughter uh, because he knows that there's this family on the run from the sith and he wants to help out he calls in luke because luke is a jedi we're hunting sith it's a good little buddy cop uh thing going on uh we see a lot of planets uh from all over uh, mostly the rise of skywalker but we see uh, a planet from the mandalorian as well that was really exciting uh, but overall you know the story kind of goes as you'd expect there is like an interesting sith character that uh you wouldn't know about from the rise of skywalker um it's a a, a character introduced in the like first canon novels to come out the the aftermath trilogy just like cobb vanth uh this character only appeared in uh, interludes in in those books and uh, she is a pantoran which is you know a blue skinned uh, species species that you see in the uh, the clone wars um, the the uh, planet with the like the it was like the the snow planets uh, the pantorans um, like wanted uh, the the snow planet but there were indigenous peoples on the on the planet and there was the the main pantoran guy was all like stinky about it and then, like, the the young senator, Rio Chuchi, stepped up and, like, um, helped help those uh, indigenous people get rights. We will leave Auto Plutonia under the watchful eyes of the Tals from this day forth and recognize your sovereignty as a free and equal people. Um, and, yeah, that, that, that species, uh, the, a Pantoran who 
um, puts on this mask of an old Sith Lord, and she gets this lightsaber from another Sith Lord, and she kind of gets like taken over. And I think she dies some point before this, before this book, and she's just like basically a corpse. It's really creepy, just walking around with this Sith mask attached to her face from this like ancient like viceroy of a planet that was a Sith Lord that just murdered a bunch of people so that he could live on forever in this mask. Really creepy stuff. So you get really. I, I did not expect as much story between uh, Luke and and the Sith villain. Um, otherwise, I think everything kind of goes as you'd expect uh, with, you know, Ochi eventually killing Rey's parents. Um, Lando obviously not finding Rey. Uh, Rey gets left on Jakku just as uh, the Force the Force wills uh, for, for the sequel trilogy to happen. But, um, yeah, given that everything went as expected, is expected uh i i still found a lot of value in this book mostly because of the, the little things that it does for the sequel trilogy but it was also a fun story and uh, you didn't know exactly how ray was going to end up on jakku it was kind of like a kind of a planet hopping thing just like the rise of skywalker was and it was like a mystery on how we were going to get there i found that really exciting um but yeah with that i want to jump into oh i have a list here of is it 40 39 uh, that's a boring number 39 ways that that uh, uh, Shadow of the Sith enhanced the Rise of Skywalker for me. So the first thing it enhanced for me was Poe's somehow Palpatine return speech. We've decoded the intel from the First Order spy, and it confirms the worst. Somehow Palpatine returned. Um, everyone makes fun of the speech, and it is a little goofy, especially Poe's delivery of it somehow. Palpatine returned in uh, his face. It's it's pretty funny, but uh, there were moments in there that like where I thought it was a little corny the first time I watched it. I, I saw like actual like development from this book, which of course didn't exist yet. But uh, in, a, in a couple things, you have R two D two when the name Exegol is mentioned, he starts shaking and he's so so spooked, and we know why he's he's along for this this trip. He he sees Exegol or he he knows that Luke tried to get to Exegol, Exegol and there's all these Sith and creepy people and uh, r2d2 was rightfully spooked by it uh, there's also the character beaumont kin um from uh, lord of the rings uh lost uh i i i know him better from lost um which is blasphemous um i've only seen lord of the rings once or twice as i just uh i think said that i saw uh, revenge of the sith about 50 times but uh yeah so he, that character he's like this like sith uh like specialist librarian guy um like uh, archaeologist something like that uh that's all we knew and that was just from like the rise of skywalker like visual dictionary or something like it it wasn't <laughs> said in the movie and it nor should it have been said in the movie i, I didn't really care to know uh, exactly who beaumont kin was when i watched the movie but now i got a chapter from his perspective i think it was from his perspective at least in shadow of the sith and you learn a lot more about like how he came to be in that role we don't know yet how he joined the resistance, but we know that he is a um, he was a student that was kind of looking for his looking for his field, kind of trying out multiple things. And then one day Luke Skywalker shows up and has has a vision that he needs to be there. And they together uncover like this uh, like red bled uh, kyber crystal. Um, and I think they encounter uh, a Sith or like a, a, a shadow of a Sith, if you will um there um and yeah so it, it kind of like says okay this is how he became like a, an expert on the the sith religion and on uh the mystic arts cloning secrets only the sith knew all those things um so yeah that that scene got better for me when ray says she's going to go to pisana uh to go find ochi and find the wayfinder and, and find her way to exegol um and her friends show up i think it's finn who speaks first and it's like She's like, I'm going alone. And he says, alone with friends. And she smiles and they all get into the Falcon. And it's a beautiful scene. Just even the first time I watched the movie, watching all of her friends pile into the Falcon with her, we're seeing like the whole crew together for the first time in the whole sequel trilogy, which is a shame that it took that long. But um, yeah, we're, we're seeing the, the full team up. You got Chewie and Ray in the cockpit and everyone else filing in behind. But it, it's it's very cute. And especially because in the book, her parents are on the run with her, and they're there with Ray, but, like, they don't have friends. Uh, there's Luke and Lando who are, like, 
they know that they're being helped by someone named Lando and he has a Jedi with, uh, with him, but like they never really meet Luke and Lando and the only person that in their lives that they trusted, um, the parents of, of Ray, D- Dathan and Miramir. Miramir? What's Miramir? Uh, Dathan or Dathan being the, the son of the, the Palpatine, um, the Palpatine, um, as he's known, um, <laughs> but like really they had no friends and they trusted Uncar Plutt, uh, the Simon Pegg fish guy from Jakku. Uh, That's mine. They trusted him because he was a businessman and they knew they could make a business transaction with him and he wouldn't turn Ray over to the, the first order or the Sith or anybody. Um, but yeah, it's just, it it's sad in that they didn't have anyone else to go to, but it's a happy moment seeing that Ray has found, found friends and she's found her own family and and that's really sweet um there's also the the mission at the beginning the the whole light light speed skipping where'd you learn how to do that um and they have um the 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 baddies the tie fighters uh following them through hyperspace and this was a big plot point in the last jedi um they're following them through hyperspace we learn in the shadow of the sith book that this was um, it confirmed this is the same hyperspace tracking that we hear about in Rogue One um, when they're looking through the uh, plans, looking for the, the Death Star plans. And it was something that the Empire never perfected, uh, but a Sith, like a Sith cult group called the Acolytes of the Beyond um, did crack the code. Um, so we don't know exactly how the First Order got it, but I think we can make the logical assumption that the, the evil group of Sith uh, admirers that are sitting in the corner during the, the original trilogy probably had something to do with the First Order being created. And uh, we haven't gotten that full story yet. We've got little snippets in uh, the Bloodlines novel, um, in the Aftermath trilogy, I think a little bit in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, if I remember right. Um, that trilogy wasn't necessarily my favorite. But um, yeah, it's just kind of hinting at the, the Return of the Sith and uh, the First Order. You also have Kylo Ren adding red to his mask for his final chapter, um, and that's something the, the Sith character did. Um, if, through the first half of the book, the Sith that we're hunting, uh, she has this mask, he or she, I guess the, the body is a she, um, but then the the uh, the ancient Sith Lord that is possessing the body is a he, so I guess it kind of goes back and forth depending on who's in control of the body. I think he is a she. Um, it's, it's complicated, but... Um, yeah, they, they had a, a mask that was, I think, bronze, they said, um, in the book. And, um, eventually, uh, the, the host character, uh, she, <laughs> dies. And, uh, they, they re, the, the, the Sith is able to possess the dead body because, um, like, kyber crystals were forged into the, the mask that, that the character wore. Uh, so having the, the red... Uh, seams along the cracks in Kylo Ren's armor was uh, a good visual parallel to that. When we get the like conference room scene with the First Order, I guess maybe they're the final order now. You have the new character General Pride, the old, the the old and grizzled uh, uh, First Order captain who served Palpatine during the old war, um, and he's kind of like punching down at Hux and is like staring him down across the room. Anytime that Hux says something like. Like the pride says something like, "Oh, the failure of Starkiller Base." Like he's punching down the whole time. He's making others look bad to gain favor and get to the top. Uh, we learn in Shadow of the Sith there are a couple chapters from his perspective. He wants like a fleet of his own very badly, and uh, that that's something he gets in the Rise of Skywalker. So like, if you're watching the Rise of Skywalker for General Pride for Richard E. Grant, uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna get uh, good continuity. Um, on Pasana, when Ray is wearing the Aki Aki beads, um, like the little, what's her name? Uh, non, Nambi Gima, Gima Nambi, something like that. Uh, the, the little alien that asks her, what, what's your last name? What's, what's your family name? Uh, no, I'm just Ray. Um, that, the beads that she's wearing around her neck are kind of what saved her life in this book? Or her mom saved her life by buying some of these beads from Ankar Plutt or one of the sales, uh, the salespeople around Ankar Plutt, one of the scavengers. And, uh, she takes that with her so that when she's killed and the beads fall out of her hand, like the, the, the beads rolling across the ground, like, uh, Batman's parents, um, when, 
when uh spo- spoiler alert in every iteration of the batman um when martha kent uh dies and the beads go everywhere kent oh my gosh martha wayne Jesus, fake fan. I was the Star Wars skinny, not the DC skinny. Uh, um, but yeah, the, the beads falling everywhere. And then Ochi picks them up and he's like, oh, Pasana. And so that's why he goes to Pasana. And that's why he's stranded there is because uh, Ray's mother was smart enough to, th- to throw Ochi off the trail. Um, so Ray wearing these beads is kind of cute, knowing that like th- those same type of beads um, are what saved her life. Uh, also on Pasana, you got Lando showing up in this cool armor, and we know where he got the armor from Shadow of the Sith. It was given to him by, uh, what was the character's name? From Cobb Van back on Tatooine. Oh, Comac, Comat? Something like that. I, I really should have uh, written down some character names. This was a, a brand new character, uh, another acolyte of the Beyond, or an ex-acolyte of the Beyond, um, an ex-Sith cultist, basically, who has uh, basically banished herself to a planet to live in exile and she's doing good work she's trying to like peer the planet uh, purify the planet because uh there was a ship that crashed there and it's poisoning the atmosphere poisoning poisoning the world and she's doing her best to try to stop or slow that or i guess speed it up not slow it because that'd be worse but um very interesting character and she has a really good relationship with lando lando lives there a while when he's kind of getting back on his feet um, the, the armor that Lando wears is a gift from her and it's like wind raider armor. Um, so it was interesting seeing, seeing what that looks like. Um, we also have Lando driving a vehicle with large treads, uh, because at the end of the novel he decides, okay, well, I know Ochi went to Pasana. He, he found that far and they couldn't find Ochi. They found a ship just like we see it in the Rise of Skywalker. It's just sitting there all dusty. It's been there for oh, like a week when Lando's there. And he sees the sinking fields, and he's like, all right, well, I don't know if he, he fell in the sinking fields or if he's just in in the surrounding area. So my headcanon is he buys this big, like, tank thing, like, with big treads so that he can traverse the sinking fields and search, like, basically the whole planet of Pasana, or at least this area, uh, for Ochi and for Rey. Um, so I, I found that to be really cool. And that wasn't, I don't think that was something that was really spelt out in the book, but uh, just a thought that I had uh, while reading. You also have Leia's, one of Leia's uh, few lines in the book, which I guess I'm kind of spoiling some of the things I, I don't like, uh, but how, how they had to work around the passing of uh, Carrie Fisher. They only had certain lines of hers. Felt a little jumbled, but like, I know they're, they're doing the best they can with what they had. Um, you wouldn't want to recast in the ninth movie of a nine-part saga, so whatever. One of her quotes was, never underestimate a droid, and... Um, yeah, I mean, droids are basically sentient in, uh, I guess you could argue that they're always sentient, but in Shadow of the Sith, you get some really good droid characters. There's this really cute, like, red mouse droid. Uh, there's this droid with a, a sword that Lando takes a liking to. Not like that. Not, <laughs> not like that. Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, and then there's, of course, Dio, Ochi's droid, who, oh my gosh, you feel so bad for him by the end of this, like... In, in The Rise of Skywalker, you get, like, quick little moments of Rey saying, like, oh, someone treated him badly. Like, yeah, he got treated real badly, and uh, it was it was really sad. But, yeah, never underestimated droid. Um, so, Ochi died away from his speeder, I guess, in, in the movie. Something I noticed is that he's not sitting next to uh, the speeder. He had ventured a little bit into the cave um, and likely died trying to fight that, that big snake, that big serpent serpent as c-3po would say um because the the vexus the the serpent had like a wound so i'm assuming that's something that that uh ochi inflicted and the dagger necessarily wasn't right next to ochi either i think it was uncovered by uh bb-8 just a little bit away kind of in between ochi and the the serpent so maybe through it or um he lost it in the fight but um and then of course you have ray picking up the the blade, the dagger, and saying horrible things have happened, and you hear just screams, and we see in the movie that it was used to kill her parents, but it was used to kill a lot more people. Um, that blade was creepy. It's like Ochi, basically, when whenever he's in a, like, a fighting scene, like it, it, he can't lose. Like the, the blade is like possessing his body and deflecting attacks, and like anytime it stabs somebody, it's like absorbing the blood of its enemies. That is a creepy 
creepy little dagger. Um, I've got more to say about the dagger because it seems like um, a lot of the, the criticism about the movie is like, oh, why, why did the dagger show exactly where to find the Wayfinder? Um, basically, that was the point of the dagger, to, to show where the, the Wayfinder would be in the Death Star wreckage. Um, it's, it wasn't that hard to, to headcanon when the movie came out, and it's not that compl- complicated of a, uh, of a, a reasoning in this book either. Um, I guess I should say the things that I don't like about this book are not things that you could just easily um, fill in with more information. Like, any plot hole in Star Wars is not a plot hole to me. Like, it's something that I can use my imagination to fill in. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the, the things I don't like. But, um, yeah, so I also had the thought, like, you know, this, this dagger, it sucks the life force of people. Like, it's basically sucking the blood out of people. Uh, but Ray, when she's healing the the Vexus, she's like giving her life force to to others. So she's if if that Sith dagger is what it means to be Sith, just draining people, um, she is the the epitome of the Jedi. She's she's healing people, and I thought that was um, really neat. I'm the Jedi. Um, there's also Ochi's ship. Um, he murders two of his goons hard hard um in um in that ship and you can see the the blood spatter splatter whatever you call it i've seen dexter i'm pretty sure it's spatter not quite sure look at the blood spatter look at the patterns it tells a story uh but just all over the front windshield and i I remember reading the book i'm like i don't remember seeing all that blood like did did somebody clean it did ochi clean it did lando and luke clean it while they were in there and i was but then i watched the movie i'm like oh no there's blood there's scenes where Poe's like looking out the cockpit, like look at looking down t- towards Finn and Ray, uh, while he's trying to get it started up, and like yeah, there it's caked in blood, um, which is interesting considering that the dagger sucks the blood of the enemies. But I guess if you you swing hard enough, you, you can't suck up all the blood. <laughs> I've seen Dexter. There, there's good good spatter happening. Um, there's also um, Dio's timidi- timidity, like humidity, but. How, how timid Dio, the little cone droid, is um, when he first gets started up. And, yeah, again, very, so sad. He's, like, basically thrown around the cockpit by Ochi in this book. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's tough. Uh, the First Order, when they get to Kajimi, First Order stealing children from their homes. And that hurts because we know Finn's story, we know Janna's story. Um, if you've read The Rise of Skywalker visual dictionary which why would you um but i did um but it's laid out better in this book like lando his child uh his daughter kadara was was stolen by the first order as well so watching this movie again having uh having known this and having lived with lando a little bit and figured out what's going on through his head and how it's basically wrecked him like he's he's a very different character than we saw in the original trilogy and i think at first when i was reading this i'm like i don't know if this is lando uh, but then as the the book goes on, you're like, oh, no, this is Lando. And he's just been completely wrecked by the last six years of his life here. There's like flashbacks to, to him and uh, his daughter, like playing hide and seek with ice cream in the cake closet. And you're like, oh, no, are the the, the capes going to get ice cream on them and be ruined? And it's like, oh, my God, it's very sad. But yes, watching the First Order steal children, uh, it hurts even more now. Um, this one, hmm, this one kind of troubled me a little bit, but I, I think it enhanced, as, as I'm calling the series, enhancing uh, the saga or something like that. Uh, 3PO knows where the Wayfinder is based on the dagger's inscription. So the dagger has words on it and says, uh, from the southern bank of the, this planet, only this blade tells, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was thinking, why didn't Ochi just go there? Why, why did he bother hunting Rey? Because um, Ochi's entire motivation in this book is to get to Exegol. Um, in the Darth Vader comics, Ochi goes to Ex- Exegol once with with Vader, and Palpatine's there, and he teaches Vader a lesson. And in the crossfire, there's Ochi. He gets like his eyes burnt. That's why he's wearing those like um, those like uh, cybernetic eyes, is because his face was just burnt to death by like a screaming kyber crystal. It was a really cool comic. Um, and fun fact when. Vader and Ochi leave. That's how um, Palpatine's son, um, or the the son of a clone of Palpatine, whatever whatever it is, uh, the Dathan Dathan, um, 
the Ray's father. That's how he gets out, is he kind of smuggles himself away on Vader and Ochi's ship. Um, but yeah, that Ochi's whole motivation is trying to get to Exegol. So why didn't he just go there after the Sith cultists gave him this dagger? I don't know. Um, but maybe maybe he knew that like he would need... He, he knew that Palpatine was alive. Ochi did. So maybe he realized, like, okay, I can't show up empty-handed or I'll just get killed. So he's like, okay, I'll show up with Rey or uh, proof that she's dead. Or I, I think he, I think at this point Palpatine wanted Rey alive. Pretty sure. But um, Palpatine wanting Rey dead or alive kind of changes uh, throughout The Rise of Skywalker, too. So, um, yeah. So, so that one kind of troubled me. But maybe next time I uh, read Shadow of the Sith, um, it'll make more sense to me. Uh, there was also uh, General Pride uh, when he's walking into the hangar in the Rise of Skywalker after uh, Finn and Poe and Rey show up to to save Chewie. They park uh, the Bestoon Legacy, Ochi's ship, in the hangar, and Pride walks in and sees it, and he's like, whose ship is this? He's all, like, triggered. Um, and in the movie, when you're watching, you're like, like he's like, he's just wondering why there isn't a TIE fighter there. Like, he's like, what? this is garbage. Why is this here? Uh, but after reading the book, like, he hates OG. Like, they are kind of similar personality-wise. They're both, like, big egos. But, like, uh, Ochi's, like, like, he offers Ochi a drink of his alcohol. Um, I forget what it's called. It's some space space booze. He offers Ochi a drink, and then Ochi keeps it. Like, and then every time that there's a hologram interaction between Pride and Ochi, Ochi's, like, drinking Pride's, uh, Pride's alcohol, and Pride does not like it. Um, so, yeah, just the, the rivalry between those two. Uh, just seeing um, Pride get all angry when he sees Ochi's ship again. It's like, oh, do I have to deal with this guy? Um, it's funny. Um, I'm no longer confused why Ray's parents dropped Ray off in Ochi's ship. I was all I was a little confused about that. I thought that maybe like Ochi had a heart and let them ditch Ray before killing them. But then it's like, okay, why? I thought his whole purpose was to get Ray. So I was wondering like, why were Ray's parents leaving Jakku in? Um, Ochi's ship, but you learn through the book that they stole Ochi's ship, and that's really how Ochi caught up to them, is because he had a tracker on it, or I think it was Pride, General Pride had a tracker on the ship uh, from when Ochi had it, uh, and then he gave that information to Ochi, and Ochi found Ray's parents that way. Um, the whole bloodline of Palpatine for Ray, it bothered me a little bit the first time, at least the delivery of it, like, you're a Palpatine. Didn't love that, but... I, I think that's something that's gotten better for me. Um, I loved how she had uh, her her parents were nobody, the filthy drunk traders. Um, I love that, but like I'm I'm realizing now the Palpatine story is even better than that. I, I love uh, Miramir and uh, Dathan, and I wouldn't have it any other way. There are some really good scenes of uh, Miramir just talking to her husband to to Dathan and saying like, "No, you are not your father, um, and you're not your blood," and uh, just. Man, if if you come out of the Rise of Skywalker, or the, the I guess both the Rise of Skywalker and Shadow of the Sith, still calling Rey a Palpatine, uh, you're a monster uh, because that, that was really powerful. Um, some moments in this book that were really really powerful. When Kylo and Rey have their first fight of the Rise of Skywalker, or I guess second if you count the jumping over the Tie Fighter and all that, but like uh, when they're having like their their force time fight uh, on Kajimi and then also the Star Destroyer at the same time. There's a moment where Vader's helmet is on like a pillar or some sort of pedestal and uh, the, the, the pedestal shatters and the, the helmet falls to the ground and then Kylo says, oh, that's where you are. Um, oh, that's where you are. I don't know what that was. But um, yeah, like the, the helmet itself does not shatter. Um, the lightsabers hit the pillar. Um, and this is a super minor connection to the Shadow of the Sith, but like there's that one point where Luke breaks into uh, our Sith character's like bedroom, basically. He, you know, Luke he likes to sneak up on people in bedrooms, um, but I th or it's at least like where she keeps her collection of things. Um, so he finds the mask; it's on a pedestal, and then our, our character enters the room and he tries to smash it, but he ends up just smashing the 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 pillar that it's standing on. Um, so I, I I thought that was a connection, not a very big one. Um, you also have uh, General Pl Plied, General Pride um, delegating the execution of Poe and uh, Chewie and Finn uh, to Hux. Um, <laughs> he delegates a lot. This book, just anything he doesn't want to do, like 
he 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 ends up interacting with Ochi every time I think but like it's like anything he doesn't want to do that won't bring him any glory uh, he just delegates to somebody else because he, he's 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 just an interesting character that way but um, yeah delegating the execution to Hux um, that that was funny um, and then or I guess you could also read it as he thought Hux was the spy he wanted Hux to screw up so that he could kill him and say he was the spy or whatever but um, yeah Ray. She does some piloting in this movie. Not as much as she did in The Force Awakens, but I think she had her moment uh, in the X-Wing at the end, and then, of course, the the sea skimmer on the way to uh, the, the Death Star wreckage. But yeah, her piloting skills, they make a ton of sense. Her mother was a natural pilot, something she learned from her grandma, Baba. Um, and uh, Ray idolized her parents. Like That was really all she had, which is sad. Uh, but she was a five-year-old. Like, your parents are your life at five years old or six or whatever she was. But, um, yeah, her mom was the pilot. Um, and, um, yeah, I can see why if six-year-old thinks that her parents are coming back, she's waiting for her parents to come back. She's going to try to pick up learning to be a pilot because she wants to be just like her mom. And, um, yeah, that's that's sad. Um yeah, um, also you have Rey after the, the second fight with Kylo uh, on the Death Star wreckage. She steals a ship. So stealing the villain's ship to go to a place that you've already been. Another very minor connection that I'm proud of. Um, going to Oct- Octo with Kylo's ship. Um, just like um, the, the Rey's parents uh, stole Ochi's, Ochi's ship and went to Jakku, a place they've already been. Um, yeah, that's a really minor one. Um, Pride's Destroyer, General Pride, um, it's manned by Sith, or like Sith Eternal, I think that's what they're called in The Rise of Skywalker, and they have red hats, uh, but the the book kept telling us that Pride's Battalion had captains with red hats and red helmets, um, but it was not the Sith, it wasn't even the First Order, it was something called the CSA, like the Corporate Security Alliance or something like that, so I'm kind of confused about how he came to be a part of the First Order, um, or the Final Order, if he was in on the Sith plan from earlier with Palpatine. Um, I could use a, a General Pride uh, book um, one day. Um, we'll just call it Star Wars Pride, and we'll release it during Pride Month. Um, that that seems insensitive. I sh- shouldn't do that. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a second Pride Month throughout the year, and we'll call it General Pride Month, and every episode that I put out will be about General Pride um oh wouldn't that be something um lando when he's comforting poe and poe's like how are we ever going to do this how how did you do it lando says we had each other um and he said luke han leia he led with luke and i guess if you watch the original trilogy you watch solo you think like oh yeah lando was tight with han really and Chewie and leia before luke uh but this, this book did a lot for Luke and Lando's relationship. It's a relationship that uh, we see in, in Legends. Um, they, they, they both have love for hot chocolate in Legends. And that's something we see again here in Shadow of the Sith. Uh, Adam Christopher, of course, he, he had to put that, that in as a, a big fan of uh, the Star Wars EU. Um, I thought that was really fun. But yeah, just the whole relationship um, showing, just kind of showing that they really became friends after the war. Um, Shadow of the Sith also explains how Luke knew that Rey was a Palpatine. You get that kind of bomb in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, where Rey learns that she's a Palpatine, and then when she goes to see Luke, he says, because you're a Palpatine? And she's like, you knew? Did Leia? Like, Luke probably figured that the girl that he was trying to save, I guess he never knew that her name was Rey, but the girl from Jakku that Ochi was after, um, it's probably the same girl from Jakku that shows up on his doorstep, so... Um, yeah, that, that was, that was interesting. Uh, that's another, yeah, I, I guess the whole Palpatine bloodline stuff, maybe it still doesn't sit perfectly with me, but, um, I, I thought what Shadow of the Sith did really made it fit a lot better, at least, um, in that viewing that I had. Um, there's also, um, the, 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 the speech from Poe and Finn when they're when they're hyping up the rebels to go go to Exegol, you get lines like "They've taken enough of us," and uh, "What our mothers and fathers fought for," which 
our mothers and fathers coming from Poe is huge, but I guess that's a connection from something else, the comics, because his, his parents were, were diehard rebels. Um, but yeah, they've taken enough of us, just like, oof, just all the all the, the kids kidnapped by the First Order, like literally taken, <laughs> taken enough of us, which, um, yeah, I guess you, you can still get that from the Finn story, but uh, it makes it even sadder knowing Lando's uh, backstory. On Exegol, Rey crosses two sabers to defeat her enemy, uh, and that is how Luke defeated uh, the Sith Mask Lady. Uh, on this, it was like a cool like moon that like it, it was like an eggshell, and there were like serpents inside the eggshell. Um, um, anyways, at one point the mask falls off, and he it's like trying to get onto Luke's face, and he does the whole. Um, I am all the Jedi um, move where he crosses the lightsabers and slices it into four. Um, I think I think they said four like even pieces. I guess uh, it's just a good cut. It's is uh, it a good cut, Luke. Um, the the uh, the book also did a lot for just Exegol itself. Like when when Ray and Ben show up on Exegol at the end of the at the end of the Rise of Skywalker, I can like smell and taste it. The book does such good uh, or i guess adam christopher does such a good job just describing like the 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 dusty smell and like the how, how like the hair on, on your your arms are sticking up because of just how like staticky the air is like i, I feel like i i was on exegol with with ray and ben at the end of the rise of skywalker and that's a good part uh thanks to this book exegol is also extra creepy knowing those cultists a little bit better. Those are actual people in the stands cheering on Palpatine. Uh, it's just creepy. And yeah, when they, even when they interact with Ochi, who's Ochi's a creep in himself, but like even Ochi's like, Oh yeah, those guys are creepy. Um, it helps kind of knowing that Exegol is uh, a hidden world of the Sith where the Sith have been known to operate. Like Luke knows that Exegol is real and he knows that the Sith are still a thing and they are operating off of Exegol. Uh, but he, he just can't find it. He couldn't find the Wayfinders. Uh, but that helps with, you know, the Jedi and Sith lingo coming back around for the Rise of Skywalker when we didn't really get a lot of that in The Force Awakens. Uh, we got a little bit of that in The Last Jedi, but just having the Sith be the big villain of the Rise of Skywalker, like, kind of came out of nowhere, especially after we kill Snoke in Episode Eight. But uh, it kind of helped knowing that, like, yeah, the Sith, our main characters, Luke, Lando, Leia even probably knew that the Sith were, were still around and still a force. So it made sense. I guess this book came out after everything, but if we take star Wars in chronological order, it makes sense that the rise of Skywalker should, should address the, the Sith threat. Um, Ray, when she's facing down with Palpatine says like, he says, your parents were weak. She says, no, my parents were strong. Um, and yes, they were. Oh my gosh. Just, just every chapter from their perspective, it was just so endearing. Just watching them like do anything and everything to to save their child, like selling like all of their possessions. Uh, they had this great ship, uh, but it was being tracked, so as they had to pull some really dangerous maneuvers um, to try to get out of there. And there were there were opportunities where they wanted to just flee, but they decided to like wait because they believed in the Jedi. They believed that Luke and Lando were gonna save them. And then they'd, they'd hold out, and then, oh, there's Ochi, so then, okay, now we'll leave. It was a lot of, a lot of good moments where um, they had to make tough decisions, and um, generally they, they made the correct decisions. They, they protected Rey, um, and Rey survived. Um, Lando, he's, he's finally feeling useful again in The Rise of Skywalker when he shows up with the Millennium Falcon. It felt really good to see that. Just him flying with Chewie, and of, and of course, just watching that without any of this background knowledge. You're like, oh, he's flying the Falcon again. That used to be his ship. Uh, but no, he's like this old war hero that's been living as a hermit for the last, what, I guess, is it like 10 years? I, I don't I, The whole timeline of um, the sequel trilogy stuff. I think it's like another 10 years, maybe, maybe less. But yeah, he's been living as a hermit. Um, he, before that, he was trying to find his daughter. Um, and he failed at finding his daughter, and he failed to save Rey. Just seeing him just kind of have his moment, just like Luke did in The Last Jedi, of just 
overcoming that failure and doing something good that is actively helping people in the galaxy was uh, was powerful. Um, Palpatine's I am all the Sith um, means a little bit more now. The Sith wanted to live again in this exact way. This this Sith character from uh, Shadow of the Sith like mentioned, like, yeah, I want to get to Exegol so that I can live again and I can live again with all of like with all of the Sith from, from me to the end. Um, or like me to the, the, the current state of the Sith. There was a weird quote that was like very specific on what Sith would survive and which wouldn't. Um, I think it's all like they would all live in Palpatine? Or they would all live in the Sith cultists maybe? But um, basically the Sith, this Sith in particular, wanted to get to Exegol so that he could live again. Uh, which living through a mask, I guess, wasn't enough for him. Uh, this one is also a stretch, uh, but in Shadow of the Sith, when Rey's mother dies, she has like the smile on her face because she knows that Ochi's not going to find Rey. Um, so I, I thought when when Rey dies with her eyes open, it kind of looks like a smile, or it's it's not like a frown or a sad face. It's maybe more like just a passive death face. But uh, in The Rise of Skywalker, when Rey dies before Ben heals her, I had the thought, like, yeah, just like your mother. <laughs> uh, that That's a stretch. Um, and then, of course, after the Battle of Exegol, when everyone's back on the planet, you have everybody hugging and kissing. Uh, you got Dio rushing to find BB-8, and he's, like, running circles around him, and he's so happy to see him. Like, oh my gosh, Dio having a friend instead of just an abusive master all of his life. Um, yes, more of that, please. When we get a droid story or a droid tale, whatever the the, the new droid-focused Disney Plus thing that they announced is, um, I need an episode of Dio. Um, man, I, I, I hated that droid, I think, after watching The Rise of Skywalker the first time. I thought he was annoying. I'm like, J.J. Abrams just wanted to put his voice in a little droid. It's kind of cute looking, but, like, what's the point of this droid? It's kind of a plot device, but, like, now, like, yes, give me everything about Dio. I've got the Lego set. Um, it's a fun Lego set. Uh, all right, and then the the big moment of the book, kind of what sparked a lot of the reason that we have Shadow of the Sith is Lando sitting now, down next to Janna at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, and he asks her where she's from, and she says... I don't know, like, the First Order took me from my family, and he says, well, let's find out. Um, it's another case for Lando to solve, another chance to restore a family. Maybe she is his daughter, I think uh, that was one reading of that scene. I feel, When I watched that, that scene with my dad, I think he had a, a different uh, thought on, on what that relationship was. He thought it was just Lando being smooth again, uh, trying to, to, to get with uh, Janna there, but I, I think it's I think it's more like after reading Shadow of the Sith, it's it for sure is just Lando finding another puppy to take care of. You know, it's it's Lando saying, "All right, I couldn't save my own daughter. I couldn't save Rey. Here's a girl without a family. I'm gonna help her find a family. If I if if it's not finding her exact family, maybe that it's another case of found family where like we get a Lando series and it's basically a a backdoor pilot for a Janna series because they're a family now. I, I could totally see that happening. Happening. Uh, there was also a moment in the book, which this isn't really a tie to the Rise of Skywalker, but it's old man Lando. I guess not that old for the book, but like I'm picturing Billy D. Williams in the Rise of Skywalker when I'm reading this book. But there was a moment of him uh, watching some of the Calrissian Chronicles, the little like podcast that young Lando would record. He recorded one in Solo. Uh, solo Star Wars story, um, but there were like 73 episodes. And he was like, "Oh my god, I made 73 of these things," um, and maybe that is uh, what that Lando show is going to be, the Calrissian Chronicles, um, and maybe it will be um, some episodes of of young Lando and some of them new adventures with with old Lando. Um, and I, I would love to see more of both. I think I, after reading this book, I'm more interested in old Lando, which is. Something I, I didn't think I'd say. I mean, I really love Donald Glover's performance in Solo. But, yeah, I'm, I want to see more Billy D. At least Billy D's an old man. I mean, least, while, while we've got Billy D, let's, let's, uh, let's tell some stories. Uh, the last thing I had here is the last scene of The Rise of Skywalker. Um, who are you? 
There's been no one for so long. Ray, I'm Ray Skywalker. Uh, it's a very divisive scene. Uh, people got their panties all up in a bunch about it. Um, yes, she's taking the name Skywalker. She's adopting the name Skywalker for herself. Who cares? Uh, there's no one around to stop her. Don't get mad about it. What is she going to say? Ray Palpatine to end the movie? Um, I would have ended the movie on something else, but I didn't make the movie. Um, I thought it it connected very well, considering the earlier things from the movie, like everyone asking her her last name. Um, kind of seeing Luke, Luke and Leia, they accepted her for who she was. Um, never be ashamed of who you are, or whatever. Like, they accepted her. They're now Force Ghosts in front of her. Of course she's going to say Ray Skywalker. Um, but also, just like, again, don't call her Ray Palpatine, like... Oh man, like just seeing her parents and how different they were from Palpatine and how much they hated Palpatine and they just wanted to get away from him and they were spent their whole life running from him um trying to save Rey and and shield her from that life. Uh like she's not Rey Palpatine. Call her Rey Skywalker if you're adamant that she's Rey nobody, whatever. Just no no Rey Skywalker. I mean, or no, oh god, Freudian slip. No Ray Palpatine, like that, man. Um, but oh my gosh, yeah, that 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 was number thirty nine there. Um, yeah, I love this book. It did a lot for the Rise of Skywalker. I feel like it did a lot for the Force Awakens too. Next time I watch the Force Awakens, I'm seeing Ray counting down the days to when her parents come home. Like that, that's gonna hurt. Uh, when we first see Luke and we see Ray show up on his doorstep, that's gonna be different. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think the book itself, it, it does rely a lot on the sequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Um, I would say if you just picked it up without having seen any of those movies, it might not work, but like, of course, everyone's going to see the saga movies, but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed just the characterization of, of Lando specifically. There was a lot of good Luke content. Uh, if I'm fully diving into spoilers, which it sounds like I am, there was a Force Ghost Anakin scene, which was really, really cool. Um, love to see more of that. And uh, it really leaves open the time period um, of, like, the Mando, um, the Mandoverse of, like, that 10, 15 years after uh, Return of the Jedi, which um, is really interesting because that's where you know there could be more adventures with our main heroes we could see something up against like grand admiral thrawn or something i'm not setting my my hopes uh too high but like there's a lot of room there and uh yeah i'm really love this book and uh, i love the rise of skywalker a lot more um to end on a uh worse note because I, I i haven't really given my thoughts on the rise of skywalker and i think this is the most clear I think I'm ever going to see, The Rise of Skywalker. I did keep track of the things that I don't like about it. Um, got, what is this, like a list of eight um, of varying degrees. I think there are some unforgivable things about, about the movie that I'll never really get over. There are some that maybe I'll, I'll learn to appreciate in time. Uh, the first one, which I, I think is, I guess if, if you want to leave now, if you're a person like me that just loves positivity in Star Wars only, that's generally how I am, but like, I, I kind of want to get my thoughts out there on The Rise of Skywalker, so you can find me on Twitter at the Star Wars Skinny. Um, thanks for listening, but I've got a couple, a couple things that were not necessarily enhanced by this book that I want to go over. Um, the first one being Rose is still kind of shafted. Um, she was sidelined in this movie. I guess you kind of needed someone to act alongside Leia, to kind of make Leia's lines make sense to there, there was a scene where like, um, I don't know, somebody said something, I think it was a uh, snap said something, um, that Leia didn't like, but like Leia didn't really react that way. Um, so Rose in the background had to like act for her and like act all disgusted by what somebody said. And, um, I, I, I get you needed a character there, but like after the last Jedi, I felt like Ray was a, or Rose was a, a main character. Um, and it feels like the, the backlash from uh, a certain side of the fandom influenced that decision. And that just feels dirty to me. And just, yeah, it, it's hard to watch those scenes. Um, and, and there was a moment like when she's running on the, the side of the Star Destroyer and Finn is going to do something heroic. And uh, she says, Finn, no. And then 
Finn says, like, oh, let me do this or something. Like, it's making her seem like the bad guy for what she did in The Last Jedi. Like, are we supposed to think that Finn was supposed to sacrifice himself and fly into that cannon? Like, no, that was a beautiful moment in The Last Jedi. And I feel like the, the scene in The Rise of Skywalker kind of stomps on it a little bit and says, like, oh, of course, Rose shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, everything with Rose kind of just hurt in, in this movie. But, um, yeah, that's number one. Number two, the Leia scenes felt a little awkward. I think we've talked about that, and it's obvious that they, they did the best they could with what they had. Um, number three, the chewy death fake out. I think it worked on the first viewing. I don't understand that that decision to to say that chewy like chewy's dead, and then all of a sudden he's back like literally a minute later. Like you couldn't if you're gonna commit to that, like have him it be revealed that he's alive at the end of the movie. He did not really have much to do in the second half of the movie. Um, you got some good scenes of him crying about Leia at the end, but I feel like that payoff could have been different. I felt like the C-3PO death was a lot better because he lost his memory and he got it back at the end, so it's still a happy ending. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. That was just weird. It was a weird choice. Um, This is kind of a a gripe on the whole sequel trilogy, but Finn is an ex-Stormtrooper, and he seems to really enjoy killing Stormtroopers, or he shows no remorse when he's running down a hallway just blasting them. Like, these are people just like you, Finn. You know where they come from, and you show... Yeah, no mercy at all. Um, there's a line before the Battle of Exegol, I think it is. This is my fifth one, if you're keeping track at home. Um, from Beaumont Kin, the Charlie from the Lost character. Um, like, oh, let's pull some holdo maneuvers, do some real damage. And someone says, oh, that move is one in a million. Um, yeah, why are we just dragging the last movie through the mud? Um, you can tell I, I'm a big fan of The Last Jedi, so a lot of these are just, oh, how dare they retcon things from the last year and they're not retconning it's just like yeah the holdo maneuver was a beautiful moment in the last jedi and i guess there is a legitimate question of why don't they do that every time but i think the better response instead of oh that move is one in a million is like hey we value life and we don't want people suicide bombing like yeah whatever um and then i guess if that's number five i've got three more and then we're all like deaths i just don't like death in my star wars i have i like when characters survive so these are these are pretty lame ones but hux's death like we killed him off way too early in the movie in my opinion i feel like he could have done a lot of the stuff that general pride did but i really like the general pride character so i'm not too broken up about that but i thought we could we could have done a little bit more with hux um and then there's snap wexley's death Yes, the little background character played by Greg Grunberg, friend of J.J. Abrams, Poe's right-hand man uh, in The Force Awakens and uh, in The Rise of Skywalker here. Um, the fact that he died, that doesn't piss me off, but like, just the editing of the movie is you have Snap die, and then all of a sudden Lando shows up with the fleet, and Wedge is the the gunner in the, the Bonnie Falcon. Nice flying, Lando! Um, Wedge is, Snap's like adoptive father in the books. And not that I expect J.J. Abrams and all of the the people creating Star Wars to know every little thing about every little book, but, like, it's referenced in the whole Aftermath trilogy, Resistance Reborn, which is kind of, like, the lead-up to The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, It's mentioned in the novelization, which I think those are written after the movie comes out. But, like, yeah, I mean, you can, from an in-universe perspective, Wedge had no idea that snap just got shot down when he shows up he can be happy but it's just like a weird editing decision like i'm supposed to feel happy in this moment and this is like the big turning point of the battle where we're supposed to feel like oh great lando's here and he brought friends like yeah but like i'm instantly taken out of it it's like oh my god wedge is here and his son just died like this hurts and he doesn't know and it like makes me feel sad in the moment that i'm supposed to feel happy so that's just being a star wars nerd you you pick up on on things and yeah, it, it ruins moments for you sometimes, and that's not how it should be. I guess reading reading all these books, I guess that's a good topic for just this podcast idea in general. It's like reading all this extra material should enhance the story. It shouldn't hurt it, and I think this is a case where the fact that I've read the Aftermath trilogy and Resistance Reborn kind of hurt my viewing of The Rise of Skywalker in this small scenario. And again, that's a really small one. 
my last gripe that was not enhanced by this, and I don't think anything can really enhance it, is just Ben Ben Solo's death. Um, it's it's a good moment in that he saves Ray, he saves the one he loves. He, um, but yeah, he didn't need to die. I just hate how every redeemed character in Star Wars needs to immediately die. Um, I thought this was a great opportunity to to kind of do something different with Star Wars, but yeah, I don't know. That's just, I don't know if I'll ever get over that one. Hopefully they do something interesting with the, the Ben Solo, Kylo Ren character in the future, but right now I'm feeling a little butthurt about it still, three years later. Um, the movie still ended on a reasonably happy note, I think, like having the last scene being the, the, the celebration on, on the resistance base planets. Um, and then having Ray Skywalker at the end, I feel like those were still two like positives, like happy moments, but like still felt like after the battle was won, we had a death, um, that, yeah, I don't know. I just, I wanted it to, I wanted everything to be happy at the end of my nine movie saga. And there's, this is just one thing that's gnawing at me. It's like, yeah, okay, that, that one thing is not a happy moment. That's a sad moment. But yeah, every, every Star Wars has a little mix of sadness at the end of it. I guess all of the, the end of trilogies, there's a lot of sadness in Revenge of the Sith. You've got a little bit of sadness in, uh, Return of the Jedi. You got Vader burning, um, but it's, it's also like, I don't know, just like the hope and like everyone's like, I don't know, it's it's a very similar ending to Return of the Jedi. And I guess I'm being critical of The Rise of Skywalker when, when Return of the Jedi did a similar thing. Ah, but Vader was an old man in Return of the Jedi and Ben had so much more life in him. I'll never get over it. But yeah, why did I choose to end on Downers? I don't know, but I, I really enjoyed this this series, this idea, this enhancing the saga. Um, I'd like to do this for the Kenobi series, so that might be coming soon. Just watch. I haven't watched uh, A New Hope since uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi finished, so I'm excited to do that. So maybe I'll have another episode like this coming up shortly, but thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you went and read Shadow of the Sith, or... Um, I hope I encourage you to check out other Star Wars books just based on like the 40 things that enhanced one movie for me. Like Star Wars, this is a little bit unique and there's not a lot of books that are as directly tied to a movie like this one. Um, but yeah, we the next big book coming out, I think, is Padawan, which is an Obi-Wan Kenobi like, Padawan book. So like might, that might tie into The Phantom Menace well. And then you have um, Princess and the Scoundrel, which is like a Han and Leia love story, which should hopefully tie in well to the original trilogy and Force Awakens. Hopefully we start to get to see seeds of like why they broke up, which that sounds really sad. I don't want to hear that. I want a, I want a happy story of them getting married. But um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fun Star Wars books coming out. And then, then, of course, you have the High Republic, which doesn't really inform a lot in the... Um, skywalker saga it's kind of something new and i'm really enjoying that um and yeah i've, I've got uh big plans for how to cover um the high republic when that comes out um some collaboration that uh i hope i hope you will enjoy so again thank you so much for listening um this has been the star wars skinny you can find me on twitter at star wars skinny um tiktok at star wars skinny instagram at star wars skinny I don't know where else YouTube at Star Skinny. I don't post on YouTube, but that's also skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Letterboxd at Drupal McCool 35. Oculus at Drupal McCool 35. I did not talk about how I got skinny. I didn't even do that whole intro at the beginning of this. Um, been playing some more Beat Saber. I've set a lot of those Imagine Dragons records, so I'm going to have to text my cousin and see if he can beat those back. Uh, because Imagine Dragons on Expert, I'm making good progress. I think it's all like the the more minor um, Imagine Dragon songs. Like I don't think I have the record in Radioactive or Thunder, so um, I'll have to keep working on those. But yeah, thank you so much for listening.
dum 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 dum